0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Weekly Manga Recap here on February the 12th of 2020. Nick. Chris. That's manga. Me. Yeah. Yes.
1: We're going to talk about that
0: at some point. Yes, we are. Uh, we'll talk about uh, other things first. I mean, we're going to have to talk about it and get started eventually because we do have a bunch of series. We'll say, though, right off the bat... um I know, Chris, before we started recording, you posted on Twitter about how, like, you kind of lost a sense of perspective of how much manga we read each week because we only have 15 series to talk about this week. But honestly, uh, on weeks like this, I'm glad that we cover so many because there are a bunch of series where i have literally multiple times in the past day or two, I've been like, what the fuck happened in that series? Oh, right. Something that was very difficult to sum up and not interesting to talk about, so...
1: It was one of those there- moments where I'm just like, oh, there's no One Piece or Seven Deadly Sins this week. I guess we'll just blow through this baker's dozen plus of manga to talk about and be done.
0: And then it turned out there was a Seven Deadly Sins chapter, so...
1: What? There is? Yeah. yeah. I missed it. I'll have to read it now.
0: Okay. Uh, Nick will buy time, so... Well,
1: I mean, I'll read it from the... 17 other series that are in front of it this week
0: i'll just talk about things that are on my desk so there's a handbook for a class i took almost a year ago a set of uh earbuds that don't work because i got them as a bonus uh from work which means that they probably cost the company i work for about three dollars um oh
1: my god everyone's dead yeah, okay, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, now I, I, I got caught so.
0: Um. So yeah, uh, there are definitely some series this week that's like, okay, that was good. And there's some good, interesting stuff to talk about. But it is by volume that we have a number of series to talk about this week that I'm actually interested in talking about. So let's get started. And hopefully when we come to the ones that I don't want to talk about, I'll find a way to do it. (laughs) Ready to begin? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Recap of manga. Weekly. My Hero Academia, chapter number 260, Life's Work. The assault by the heroes on all fronts of the uh, liberation front has begun. Uchiko has been confronted in his hospital by Endeavor, who is with a bunch of cops and present Mike and Aizawa. Uh, Aizawa g- manages to snag Uchiko's ankle before he can get away, uh, and also activates his quirk. And as he does so, the doctor's body starts to age suddenly. And, uh, Endeavor's like, oh, so he actually has a quirk. Uh, And they guess that he has replicated the same quirk that has been keeping all for one alive for as long as he has been, which makes sense. It would have to have a quirk in order to go through, what, nine, I guess, generations of one for all and still be kicking, uh, uh, Present Mike uh, grabs Ujiko and is freaking out on him, of course, after the experience that uh, he and uh, Aizawa went through by discovering that their friend had basically been transformed into a monster. And uh, multiple uh, other hospital workers show up and are like, what are you doing to the doctor? (laughs) Because they don't know what's going on, which is a detail that I appreciate. Keep. You know, just keeping in mind the fact that Ujiko is known to the public as a nice dude uh, who works in a hospital and tells children that they don't have quirks, I guess. Yeah,
1: he's just he's cool like that. (laughs) Uh,
0: Mirko goes bouncing through the morgue uh, towards the entrance to the secret facility that we know about while everyone else kind of works on crowd control. And Aizawa ties up Ujiko. Uh, And he's like, you know, this is, you know, payback for everyone that you've been tinkering with this whole time. Uh, But Ujiko suddenly smirks as a bunch of Nomu start storming down the hallway. Uh, As everyone had kind of been saying, like, well, we've got the guy who gives them their orders and uh, without orders, they're just kind of, you know, mindless husks. So we shouldn't have to worry about them. But Oh, no, they have acted and they actually bust through the wall. One of them actually impales Ujiko uh, and they're like, oh, damn it. And immediately his body starts to melt away because, oh, my gosh, he is a double. There's been someone using twice his quirk. And uh is like, ah, all right. So, if, you know, if an organism is replicated by the double quirk, they can't be nullified by erasure. So that's good to know, which, of course, makes sense. I mean, you know, Aizawa's ability erases things when he looks at the person with the quirk, not the thing. Uh You know, like if Endeavor like set something on fire, he couldn't put it out by looking at the fire. So, yeah, Ujiko has managed to replicate twice his quirk. So they've got to worry about that now. That's nice. Jago goes on a kind of a long rant to himself because he's, the real one is actually within the facility that he's got all of his experiments and stuff in. He's got, you know, his uh, new type nomus and vats and stuff. Uh, and basically he just, you know, establishes that for a while now, he's just been having this double, uh, handle everything in public while he's been working on, to, on, uh, Shigaraki. Uh, he refers to the heroes as meddlesome. I would have gotten away with experimenting on humans and monsters if not for you meddling superheroes. And uh, he also has uh, giant shelves full of quirks that he can replicate. Okay. This guy's not scary at all. Nope. Mirko comes storming in. Boom. Kicks right through it. Yep. Everything's re- re- wrecked. Everything's fine now. They beat him. Yay! Well,
1: they kill. Uh, they, they they do. There is a very important death. Uh, Sneakers Nomu has been crushed beneath the fucking shelf falling right on yeah. top of him.
0: So the warp quirk uh, that he is gone, seemingly, because mm-hmm. uh, he was shouting over to to Johnny like, "All right, gotta go. Warp Shigaraki and me out of here right now." <laughs> it's dead. <laughs> Um, and Mir- Mir- Mirko is like, oh, are you the real one? And she's, uh, she's breaking more stuff. And Ujigo has basically the same reaction he, that his double had at the end of the last chapter when uh, Endeavor showed up. So, yeah, things are looking, uh, looking up right now is, uh, they're starting to really wreck, wreck, uh, wreck house. So,
1: yeah. So like, this is a fun start to it. it it's, it's ominous because, uh, as someone who's read any kind of adventure story of any kind like you, you just you you're like this feels really easy
0: <laughs> yeah you're waiting for the other shoe to drop yeah. yeah
1: you're waiting for the turnabout i know a lot of people are worried that like miracle gets to do something cool is she immediately just going to get beaten in the next chapter and made to look like an idiot or something like that uh i mean who really knows i do think it was funny that we got like last chapter the the doctor walking through and then Fucking it, ever be like, hey, what's up? Ah! And then in this chapter, he gets like his moment of just like, oh no! Damn ah! you, heroes! Time ah- to- for me to make my escape. Ah! <laughs> well, he has, like the he also has like the moment of terror too, where he's like. Oh no! Heroes have mercy! It just closes in on this dark mouth, like a sinister smile, and it cuts. It's like, no, no, no! I'm still in control. I've got this laboratory full of things, and perhaps you've inconvenienced me, but this better. Oh no! Not again! <laughs> like, like I, oh. oh, that small, very squishable creature was my only escape. <laughs> oh, why did I not give you faster shoes? <laughs>
0: If only I paid more money on the new Nikes. <laughs> <laughs> Run faster, jump higher, avoid falling things.
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's like this is a fun chapter. I think it's it's gonna be exciting to see how this arc kind of kicks off with this big energy. And hey, hopefully she does get to do more cool things. It's cool to see Miraco doing stuff. It's it's nice to see like that big introduction of like new heroes that are supposed to all be very important. And it's like, yeah, at least a couple of them are. <laughs>
0: I'm hopping mad. Yeah. Okay, bunny girl. <laughs> you
1: know what? Let's keep... You know what? Hey, you're not eating Zero. You didn't say the wind six times this chapter, so you know what? You can keep to your gimmick. It's
0: fine. I did show off my crotch on this high kick. Okay, well... It's, well, so, hey, come that, on. That was a compliment that you didn't do an Eden Zero thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's move over to Actage. Scene 100, Road Show so uh I'll say this for this chapter. I can actually say what happened in its varies in, a, in a, and actually summarize it and feel confident in summarizing it as opposed to a bunch of the previous chapters where I'm like uh, you know they've like performed a part of the play and I guess it's going well, but also not and <laughs> yeah um. Kuriyama falls through on his idea to have Chiyoko attend the opening of, uh, death Island. That's the name of it. Right. Death Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Chiyoko is super like depressed basically after, uh, seeing Kay's performance. Uh, and she's like, yeah, uh, you know, I've been going through my career this time, just, you know, putting on this facade, going by the name angel, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what you've done in order to get uh, Arisa and, and uh, the director on board, but it's too late at this point. A fake flower can't compete with a real one. And and uh, it's not Korea. I mean, it's the freaking theater actor guy. But Araya, she says his name right there. He's like, "Wow, you're kind of emo right now. <laughs> um, uh, Asahi is there, too or is it Asahi? There's so many characters in this series and I haven't actually done a good job memorizing them all. Which one? It's the the, uh, former actress-producer lady um, who rejected Kay. I would just say star-star's producer. Star's producer lady. Mm. So that's going to be a lot of... Star's lady. All right, so the new superhero on the scene, Star's lady... She'll have a great movie that everyone will say didn't do well, even though it made a billion dollars. Yeah. So. Uh, she's basically said throughout this whole chapter that, you know, like oh, things were great when Chiyoko would just, you know, not have to worry about trying to be a good actress and just did what I fucking told her to. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> um, they, you know, watch the movie and they're, you know, they're showing it's, it's weird to see like Chiyoko in from this part of the series when she's acting again, because she does seem so not her, uh, because she's doing her old form of acting that we haven't seen since that movie with Kay. Um, and Chiyoko is just thinking to herself as she's, as she's watching it, it's like, you know, the, I've just got all these disgustingly beautiful expressions, but no matter how many times I see this every time that she's on screen, my eye goes to her. And even when she's not in focus, um, and she starts to leave, uh, like right at the beginning because she just doesn't want to have to deal with actually seeing this and being reminded of how bad an actress she is in comparison to Kay in her eyes. And Kuriyama stops her and just yanks her into the chair. Oh, that's Araya. He has too similar a hairstyle to the director. <laughs> this is going to be difficult for me as long as they're working on the same project. <laughs> I went into this podcast the entire half a week leading up to this thinking that he was the director, but he doesn't have the scruff. So that's Araya. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's This is a ship tease. Is it? Yeah,
1: it's a little bit of a ship tease. He grabs her and pulls her into her lap, into his lap?
0: I guess he does, whatever. So, Araya says like, you know, you're, you're like a doll. You have these perfectly calculated expressions. You're this unreal hologram projected in an ugly reality. So, it's, that's why this doesn't, you know, really work. You know, you are this perfect entity in this movie that does not fit that. So, it's superficial acting. And despite that, you know, you know, you taking that to the extreme. This is what gets you all this adulation. And because of the way that he's pulled her down, she can actually see behind them and see the audience all staring enraptured at the screen uh, anytime that shioko's uh, on screen in the movie. And it's a cool shot. I, I will say uh, just all the people behind, you know, the characters who know how movies work and stuff like that, just kind of looking with their different expressions. And then there's like almost a horde of zombies behind them all in eruption. What's going on. Um, and then at the very end of the movie, of course we have the moment where Chiyoko thanks K. Uh, and I want to say that like, um, she probably actually watched most of the movie while she was in Araya's lap. It looks like if not, they skipped over a big chunk of the movie because we don't see it. So, <laughs> um, so at the end of it, Kuriyama, uh, says, Hey, so what did you get? What did you, uh, think of, uh, Momoshiro's performance to, uh, Asahi? And she's like, well, of course it was perfect except, except for the very end. Um, and Araya says you know in that moment though there was an actual flash of emotion on the stone idol's face and that's actually the best part of this movie Um, and he actually thanks uh, Kuriyama for like making him sit through the rest of the movie because you know the tedium of sitting through the rest of it makes that part really shine and he's sitting next to the director of the film <laughs> But, of course, Arisa has the exact opposite impression of the movie, which is, you know, everything about her performance was great up until that ending. And the director's was great at enhancing that. Um, but then it all falls apart at the end because that perfect image falls apart. And she says, this is where Kei Naki's rise began. And Kurama says, oh, yeah, but, you know, it was a hit. Uh, there were all these things working against it. You know, there were fans of the original comic who hate it. Script got compromised because of the agency. The cinematography is inferior. The characters don't perform consistently. The director's right there again, just like. Uh. Uh, but he says it sold well, and why did it sell? Um, and they, and Iris says, well, because of Chioka's performance, obviously. Um, and she says. In that moment where you acted genuinely, you outshine Kei Yunagi. but so what? If you just keep going down that road, fans will tire of you. And so Chiyoko is left to think about this for a bit. And then Kuriyama says at the exact same time as her, what if we could intentionally create that moment? And this basically, Kuriyama reveals, has kind of been his plan the whole time and why he had them sit through this movie. And Chioko has come to this revelation in seeing what he has seen. And he explains, you know, this is why I called in the director Tezka. this is why I called in the producer, because, you know, the, these are the two experts when it comes to Chiyoko. And he says to crush the competition, we have ample time and talent and it's going to mean pulling an all nighter, but the rest is up to you. So I found this chapter to be much more interesting than uh, some of the recent ones that we've gotten. I wish that we had gotten this chapter right when we caught up with Actage and because it feels like there's more to actually take in and think Uh about. And it's not in midi we're not jumping in in the middle of stuff that's been going on for a while. Uh, But it feels like this is, you know, what it should be, like a turning point. And I like this approach that the characters have of it's not going to be a win by default because of, you know, Kay's performance falling apart at the end. This is going to be, we are going to demonstrate that you are a better actress. So
1: I do appreciate that. We're, we're committing to the idea of actually kind of making Shoko almost a secondary lead in this series and giving her some development. So that is
0: much appreciated. All right. Let's move on then to spy family. Mission 21. Uh, so, through <laughs> what was his name again? Henry K. <laughs> <laughs> uh There is an image of Lloyd dying, or not dying, but a bomb going off and Lloyd being buried under the rubble. And so she gets to the clock tower where uh, this is set to occur. It's 30 minutes before the bomb is set to explode seemingly. And (laughs) I love this detail. Anya doesn't know how to read clocks and she doesn't know how to tell time. So she's looking at the clock and she's like, um, when is it going to happen? Doggy, show me the future. (laughs) If he doesn't turn it on like a switch amazingly enough so she's like
1: oh. I, I am not a little toy creature to be done tricks at your beck and whim I do it as I want or if there are treats involved
0: why do you need so desperately to be able to turn the time there are only two times there is nappy time and there is walkie time
1: you should just get a switch
0: So uh, Anya looks up at the clock. It's 4.30. The bomb's set to go off at 5. She doesn't get this, so she asks a random old man, like, when is the clock going to go ding-dong? Oh, you know, it, it does it on the hour, so it'll be in about 30 minutes. And, and Anya's like, 30 minutes. Okay, we have to hurry. Is 30 minutes a long time? <laughs> this stupid little kid. <laughs> Henry Caniger grabs her by the, the neck and takes her around the corner because the villain, the, I think Keith was his name, has shown up on the scene. He's got his own dog with them. Uh, the dog seems to detect Anya and Henry Niger's presence uh, but Keith just kind of like drags him away because he doesn't see them so he's like a oh, stupid dog. Uh, gets him into the car to drive off and uh, Anya reads his mind as he starts to get away as he thinks, I hope that the trap I threw together does the trick and there is a bomb hooked up to a door. So Anya realizes that, oh, that explosion, he's responsible for it. And the guy, like a true movie villain, is like, come and look for me, stupid pigs. The second you step through our hideout door, boom. (laughs) At least he's actually just thinking it, not... I, Saying it out loud. <laughs>
1: and I actually, I really appreciate that this is sort of like a mission involved with a combination of like the two supernatural powers these characters have of like using the future to find out this bomb's about to go off. And then Anya reading his mind to find out where it's going to go off and then like more of the fine details.
0: Filling in the gaps from the clue that she got earlier. Mm-hmm. And uh, there is a little bit of extra because, you know, Keith actually sees, you know, like some old people talking, some kids chasing each other around in the street and stuff. And he says, you know, there might be some collateral damage, but this is all for the greater good. At least you can take pride in dying for your country. So Anya runs, is running around in a panic with Hen- Henry Canadra behind uh, her. And she's like, all right, well, the big band has moved from the six to the seven. So we have. Seven minutes left. Wait, hang.
1: gotta. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand. Is it she specifically going to a school that's insanely advanced for her age? Like, weren't they doing like kind of comp- kids'
0: minds? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, I was- <laughs> No, <laughs> no, they didn't do like a clock to like a time teaching class at any point.
0: I don't know. She comes to uh, a door and she thinks, oh, is it this one? And she starts to reach for it. And Harriet Cantor is like, Brow! and she's like, all right, it blows up. If I open it. <laughs> when the dog is smarter than you. <laughs> so she searches around and sees a little window that leads into the room instead. And she manages to squeeze her head through. She sees the bomb and she's like, all right, if I can disarm it, I can save Papa. And she, tugs a glove on and she's like this is so i don't leave fingerprints whatever those are <laughs> like even in the most tense of moments the little details of this kid playing pretend and not understanding what she's imitating <laughs> so she you know like moves like a box over to the bomb and is like um what do i do now on TV, they just have to choose whether to cut the red wire or the blue wire. But all these wires are black and I don't have wire cutty scissors. <laughs> so she's you know, desperately trying to figure out what to do because, you know, it's, oh, my God, Papa's going to die. And, and uh, maybe I could tell him not to open the door, but then he'd figure stuff out and he would get rid of me. But if he dies, it'll be worse. So she looks around. And wouldn't you know, it, Chris, fortunately, Someone was eating whack Donald's nearby.
1: Well, yeah, you know.
0: I'm not dying in an explosion. So so Lloyd and the other agents arrive and they see. (laughs) In ketchup, the word no on the door. What looks like a pineapple with an arrow pointing toward towards the knob, and then some spikes which vaguely resemble an explosion effect. And they're like, oh my gosh, is it a message in blood? And Lloyd's like, I mean, maybe it's ketchup, it kind of smells like it. <laughs> so one of the other I, agents I, is like, go ahead.
1: I just I like how this is exactly how a kid would do it too when <laughs> yeah. they write no. And then they only know of bombs from cartoons. So she draws what she imagines a bomb to look like. And then just a cartoon explosion (laughs) next to it. And she's like, done. (laughs) My message was perfect. That's going to have to do it.
0: (laughs) I love how they're trying to read. And one of the agents is like, no eggplant? (laughs) (laughs) So, um... The agent's like, all right, well, you know, the minister's supposed to leave in any minute, so I'm not going to let some punk college kid get to him first. And he reaches for the doorknob. And uh, outside, uh, the clock ticks towards five o'clock. Anya's waiting outside, hoping that Papa got her message. She's got a little bit of ketchup on her face. Do you think that she ha- she ate the, the, the fast food after?
1: <laughs> <she wrote> the- <laughs> that would be great. She's like, I'm going to need my energy. She just fucking wolfs down McDonald's. It's like, hey, if you're not going to eat the sweet and sour sauce, <laughs> leave it for me
0: to lick up off the floor. Anya, like, spends 15 minutes uh, trying desperately to make this message as clear and detailed as possible. All right, let's go. Henry's got his face stuffed in the bag. What? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but no, there are still fry stocks to the bottom. The eternal struggle of a man or a dog to attain his <laughs> eternal wealth. <laughs>
0: so uh, time is running out it clicks towards five the bomb doesn't go off and Henry twitches and Lloyd reappears in his vision of the future and everyone's smiling again And, and he's like Papa's back then that means we did it and Henry's like, you'll have some ketchup on your cheek. This not, font
1: not. <laughs> the most delicious treat is little girl. Okay. <laughs> oh, right. You can lead my thoughts. I mean, woof woof. Woof woof. Fuck, fuck.
0: <laughs> Definitely not planning to eat you, should you die unexpectedly. <laughs> so. We see that at the moment that the other agent was reaching towards the door, Lloyd stopped him and just said, you know, this 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 feels wrong. This could be a warning. So I want to be sure. And he, he sticks his head through the same window that Anya climbed through before as a mirror so that he can look around the edge. And he's like. There's a trap. It looks like it's, ex- it's wired to explode when the door opens. And the agent's like, ah, oh, that's not an eggplant. It's a bomb. This wasn't telling us not to hump the door, but not to <laughs> open it or blow
1: up. I thought I was supposed to fuck the keyhole. Well, now that I'm already here, would someone like to help me grease my penis out of this door? <laughs>
0: <laughs> so... Lloyd's like, all right, state security is here, so let's clear out of here. Let them handle it. We'll leave them a better written message so that they don't blow up this place. Uh, we'll have to, I guess, give up on finding Keith. But then he says, "No, let's go to where Minister Brant is staying. Now that Keith's plans are in tatters, he might attempt a direct attack. And sure enough, we cut over to Minister Brant's, who is this very sour-looking old guy. And because, you know, he gets this, you know, words like, you know, contingent for the foreign is waiting to escort you there. He's just like, mm. <laughs> uh, we actually see that uh, your brother is uh, is one of the uh, people from the ministry there to uh, escort him. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the minister walks outside and uh, they, you know, your brother says, hey, step into the car. We'll escort you. And uh, the minister looks around and uh, he's like. I'll drive myself. Everyone go home. And uh, it's quite a shock for a couple of pages until you realize what's going on because Keith sees what's happening, starts to follow the minister, using the dog with him to track him, which is odd because he's in a car. But whatever. Um, It's a super dog. Remember?
1: (laughs) The dog tells him, like, turn left here. (laughs) Straight,
0: straight. What do you think about macadamia nuts and cookies?
1: <laughs> Too many, not enough. He's just, oh, it's just cookie monster waiting. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's other, It's another navigational system.
0: It's an even like less reliable navigation system, though, because he's just like, there's a cat over there, go. <laughs> it's just, supposed to be leading me towards the minister. <laughs> just slams on the gas, go now chase that car chase it i wanted to catch it i don't know what i do with it but catch it <laughs> so um the minister is thinking to himself ah so the dog is tracking me as expected uh, <laughs> suddenly we go over to the real minister who's in his fucking tidy whities chewing out uh lloyd's handler whom we find out is named sylvia and uh, she says, one of your guys just showed up and basically mugged me <laughs> she just, just see this little scene Lloyd putting his hand on the minister's shoulder. He's like, I need your clothes. <laughs> and presumably he was just like, I need your clothes. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, it's Lloyd in disguise as the minister leading Keith around, having him chase him. Uh, and he's just leading him in a circle around the block. And he's just like, well, this is weird, but that's fine. You can't get away from me. Uh, but of course he's just leading him in a circle so that the, the other agents can spot him. And there's a really cool little shot where the other agent from before was like, Oh, that's an eggplant. I guess it's should jump the door. Uh, he pulls up with another agent in a car, just fucking sticks his gun out through the window. And, uh, it's a cool shot because you get this like sense of perspective because the gun barrel is coming out of the frame and stuff. Uh, Keith manages to react in time and actually force the other car off the road. Um, mustache, mustache agent still alive though. He's fine. Um, he keeps chasing who he thinks is the minister, uh, but he's abandoned the car. He's like, Oh, where'd he go? Oh, he's running down the alley. Ha, you fool. What kind of moron tries to escape on foot? Sick him! And he sends the uh, the dog out, and he's like, all right, yes. He's carrying a bomb. And the second he sinks his teeth into you, I'll set off the bomb. The minister tries to shoot the dog, but, oh, it dodges around. it's going serpentine. He can't get away. Uh, so he turns to run, and Keith thinks, there's no escaping from a trained dog, you moron. And Lloyd does parkour. He <laughs> just <Yeah. laughs> it goes up to the top wall. <laughs>
1: I'm pretty sure this same scene was at the start of Civil War 2 with Captain America. They just jumped through like six things.
0: Um, the dog keeps on chasing after the fake minister, bouncing off the walls, uh, but Lloyd removes the mask, takes off his disguise, and he just says, I'm sorry for this. You dogs never asked to be dragged into our stupid human conflicts. Now let's end this. And he shoots the gun as the dog is leaping through the air, and that's where the chapter ends.
1: Nothing bad better happen to that goddamn dog, Nick! He better have just shot off its bomb, and then gave it some good <laughs> belly pats, so it's all good
0: afterwards. He comes by to check it out, and Lloyd's, like, making you do tricks. <laughs>
1: He's like, who's a good boy? Who's Who gave, gave you raspberries? <a>
0: it's like well I guess I'll have to blow up the bomb (laughs) wait a minute it's down here at my feet oh no
1: (laughs) Oh, and I stepped stepped in dog poop before I hit the button (laughs) it was was an exciting chapter
0: really fun chapter Uh, some cute comedy from Anya at the start Uh, I love that again she found a way to uh, save the day without giving away her powers and did it in a very little kid fashion and uh, then at the end, suddenly it, go, it got really exciting with the big car chase, the freaking uh, parkour by, by Lloyd in disguise and stuff. So really like this chapter.
1: Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on then to Eden Zero, Chapter 81,
0: Intercession. Before we get into the chapter proper, okay. uh, I will say it was a very repetitive chapter, but I appreciated what it was trying to accomplish at least. This opening page is very shameless, so... Uh,
1: Hey, that's the most comfortable way to play video games. Uh, Knees up on the couch, uh, bent up over the top of the couch, back-arced, butt pushed out as much as possible, uh, head turned over your shoulder, not actually looking at the screen. There has never been a more comfortable way to play video games. I dare you to find one.
0: What's happening here, I'm sure, is so... um, Hermit has a controller, and uh, Pino has a controller. They look kind of like Switch controllers. I think think they're supposed to be Switches. So clearly what's happening is they're actually playing a game together, Mm -hmm. and they're both looking at the TV screen, and that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, So it makes a little more sense, I guess, than if Hermit were actually looking away from her screen that she would be playing
1: on. Yeah, sure. Let's go with that. So... Uh, the chapter opens and Daiko can torture again. He's, uh, removed his ban. He even does a little dance about his torture ban being lifted. Ta-da! And he's gonna torture Rebecca. So, like, all these vines that he, like, used to uh, hold her to the wall start, like, crawling along her. And, uh, they're really painful. It's called the street. It eats it to the target and it adds pain wherever it goes. So it's really, really painful. Rebecca's screaming. And he's like, "Oh, I like this scream. Let me hear more." And then before we would hear much more, uh, Rebecca turns into water. And I don't
0: know she this guy's up a name. Little bit from the pain.
1: Yeah. I don't know who this guy. Remember who he is? I don't remember his name. They say it. Who Laguna. gives a fuck? Water dude shows up and is like, "If anyone cries in front of me, they turn into water." And he's like, "Hey, you know you're not supposed." <laughs> I to I know right we now. work together. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "Hey, you ruined all my fun." He's like, "Yeah, well." that woman belongs to the boss, so don't blame me when you get in trouble. So, you know how scary he could be. He's like, oh, well, uh, why don't we just keep it between us then? And when we cut away, uh, the fight between Sylph and Kagia is going on, and as mentioned, Kagia uses a stripper pole to help uh, set up some of her combat attacks. Um, I guess... It's not
0: as gratuitous as it could have been. But no, she does still but... do it. For seemingly no reason.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the interesting thing about this: Um, the implication would almost be that at some point in Valkyrie's teaching to Hermit or to Kaguya, she was like, "Well, we need to teach you about stripper pole, like how to how to pole dance, basically, because she's doing it correctly."
0: In case Amura, in case you find yourself in a club (laughs) and you need
1: (laughs) and. Although not being prompted to, you still decide to take it upon yourself to blend into the environment to use the pole as a method of combat. Uh, you know, here's how to do it. Here's how to, ha- how to do a front hook and a back hook.
0: Now, I want to say before we get uh, before we harp on this too much. There are plenty of people who take pole dancing lessons not because they want to, you know, be erotic or whatever, but because it's just fun and because it is a great form of exercise. It is very difficult to do. Uh, so I know the people who take pole dance classes for many reasons. That said, Humura doesn't seem like the person who would. That's that's just what's so weird about this, honestly. So oh also God. it's.
1: Is there, am I calling her Kaguya? Is that even you her You were name?
0: calling her. It's it, Homura.
1: Yeah, I don't know why I got Kaguya in there. Oh. Because
0: she looks like K- uh, Kagra from Fairy Tail, So Okay, well, she, well, there you go. Who also used swords. So
1: Okay, so Homura then. Uh, Homura does some attacks, but it doesn't work. Because Sylph's like, yeah, I can, you know, just suck things up with my wind. Uh, it's kind of broken. And in fact, I don't know why I haven't really kind of been doing it the entire time. Well, I needed
0: to take off your clothes first.
1: (laughs) So, Hamura just gets sucked into the wind. It's very anticlimactic.
0: Like, it's weird.
1: (laughs) Well, here's the thing. Everyone looks like they're in their worst possible position at the end of this chapter. It's very possible there may have been something Hamura did prior to getting sucked up that's actually going to be her her turnabout or something like that or someone will intervene and change things out everyone looks like they're at their worst because we cut over to uh god i can't remember his name sabiz or whatever his name is the old the old bartender guy who's taking care of wise and then fire guy shows up we didn't forget about him he's here now and he's like hey i want that guy i i'm gonna take him and to be, he's like, no, please don't kill him. And he's like, yeah, well, I got a little hot headed back there, but I ain't killing anybody. And I want him to like, I don't know who he'd nudge. I guess just the panel next to him. Like, you get it? Hot headed. All of us element guys kind of got to reference what we are, you know, hot headed. Hey, you're going to get it till later on the drive home. You're going to remember that. And you're going
0: find- like- to think it's so hilarious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he's like, you're going to be. Burning up with laughter, ha! Did it again. I'm the best, and then he shoots him in the head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, he does pull out a gun. Uh, Sabiz does beg for his worthless life, and then we see a gigantic bang effect, uh, sound effect. And we cut over to Shiki and Jin in the middle of their fight, and in one of the weirdest scenes maybe of manga in recent memory. Well, I shouldn't say that. Samurai it had said some pretty fucking bonkers moments. Shiki's just on the ground and then gets up and just goes, Aah! and transforms. <laughs> <laughs> and it's immediately joked about uh, like in a couple pages, but it is very confusing. There's no like build up to it. There isn't even like a big speech or anything that like leads up to it. He just gets up and in a small panel is like ah, and then boom, he's transformed into his new form. Um,
0: his hair changed color.
1: Yeah, and he's got little uh, wavy symbols around his head as well. Uh, Jin's like you can overdrive too, and they do a big attack. Uh, but then Draken Joe shows up and he just slaps the two of them to the ground (laughs) and he says, that's enough. I thought I told you not to kill him, Jin. And he's like, you know, he's like, this is the problem with the ex-mercenaries, you know? And, uh, he just kind of explains, he's like, by the way, what you guys are doing is not overdrive, which I guess is sort of our super Saiyan kind of transformation mechanic of this series. He says, "Real." You
0: think, that's the, you think that's the new Super Saiyan form? All you're doing is adding all that useless muscle mass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he
1: says, "Real overdrive happens when you push your ether past its critical point, causing a change in the ether that makes up your body." And uh, and Joe seemingly does it right there, and uh, his body changes composition entirely. It almost makes it look like his entire head is made out of like stone or. Or something else. His entire body seems to be morphing. I guess this is a way to thematically... Well, he's got
0: the alchemical ability, so... Yeah, yeah,
1: well, I guess this is also a way to thematically tie him in as the leader of the elemental four or whatever. Uh, really a good point. yeah. And then Shiki's like, where's Rebecca? And he's like, you don't need to know that the woman belongs to me. And that's the chapter. So everyone's kind of in a shitty position. Uh, Rebecca has been turned to water again and is still a captive. Uh, Hamora has been sucked into the wind seemingly and probably for good uh, Weiss is on death's door and Sabita's just been shot in the head presumably and Shiki just got slapped down by Draken and Joe so who yeah. knows
0: like I said I appreciate what this chapter was trying to do there are some individual moments here and there where just like well that was weird um, especially like you know honestly like the Hamora thing was like alright whatever But the part that really got me was like, oh, and Laguna's here. Didn't, didn't, I thought they beat him.
1: (laughs) Well, they did. I guess they
0: only knocked, I guess Weiss only knocked him out. He could have gotten back up, sure.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess you could easily just say he would have gotten up and, and came back. I mean, who knows? This, to me, almost felt like a moment of trying to redeem a member of the Element 4 and seems maybe a little on the nose that once again it looks like it's going to be potentially the water member of the elemental four who maybe gets redeemed although I wouldn't be shocked if it ends up being self just because it's it's hero and he wants to draw girls
0: so, wind wind, yeah. wind wind wind
1: wind. God, it'll kill me but maybe it happens Um yeah I, 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 I'm excited for the next chapter a lot more because I'm curious to see how these characters are going to get out of this or the next chapter is like Game over. Start again. You
0: lost. (laughs) Replan mission.
1: Yeah, it's like you got to the end of uh, Until Dawn where everybody dies somehow. So
0: I guess you failed a lot of quick time events.
1: (laughs) How did you fall off the gondola at the start of the game? There's not even a quick time event there.
0: Literally, like, you didn't have to hit a button prompt just because your character was pointing a gun at one of your other characters.
1: (laughs) I will say, the only thing that maybe has me... I mean, the, the thing it feels like should be pulled out as, like, the major detail of this is this whole overdrive thing, which, I mean, it's weird. Eden Zero moves at such a crazy fast pace that it shouldn't be that unthinkable, but... Again, we're not even, like, we're just over 80 chapters into this series. We're already getting our big transformation mechanic already. So it's one of those things where you're like, all right, I guess let's let's fucking go full hog goddamn while into this one. So, and I also think this is the start of the setup for Jin turning good, which I'm kind of hoping there's more to it than just Draken Joe's like, ah, oh, you are unreliable, so thus I will kill you and you will turn good as a result.
0: Or something like you know you can't. It's like I said, you can't depend on mercenaries, and you know he proves himself by helping them. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I'm expecting yeah. something along those lines.
0: All right, let's get into our block of newer series, beginning with Guardian of the Witch, Chapter Number Two: Escape. Well, this kind of disappointed me. Um, kind of felt like. We kind of we're going we're going back over stuff in order to reestablish it that we didn't really need to. The only thing that really comes out of the first half of this chapter, I would say, that's not just reestablishing already established points is just kind of building on, more on the relationship between Nata and the other two characters, you know bring more into focus the fact that, yeah, she was just kind of like there in the first chapter, and it seems like she's going to be one of the main three characters because she's going along with Fafner and, uh, Ma- her name's weird. Mufasa? Manafsa. Manafsa?
1: Manafsa. I know it's like something M, something, something F-A-S-A or something like that. Yeah.
0: So... Basically, she doesn't trust Fafner. She really wants to look out for Manasa's safety. Uh, and she explains that, you know, like she's what Manasa has been doing through her whole life. And she says that if she had to perish, at least she could do so while engraving her name into Burn's history as an honorable wish. That was my hope. But now, thanks to you, we're going to be killed as traitors to the state. And Fafner's like, you don't know that we're going to die. And she's like, yes, I do. I'm a... <laughs> I'm a realist and I'm very (laughs) negative. Uh, Manasa, you know, interrupts this and she establishes that although she would prefer to die while still a human as opposed to transforming more and more into a demonic creature and then being killed, that she would prefer to live. So if she wants to try and do that, even if she ends up being a hideous thing, she wants to try and live as much as she can. And she says that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be the last witch in the whole world. And how can I honor the lives of all the witches who came before me if I don't show guts? So, so not to uh, is like, all right, well, I do think that there is one possible way that, that we could turn a witch back into a normal person. But we're going to have to actually escape before we bother going over that. And then the rest of the chapter is them just making a break for the uh, wall that surrounds the the castle town. Uh, Some archers try and shoot the gnome with arrows, but Fafner just with his sword and scabbard. Um, And then their way of getting out of the city is pretty ridiculous. He ties a rope between his sword and his scabbard. He throws the scabbard really hard. It somehow hooks onto a bell on the top of the wall, carries it off of its hook, knocks it over the end of the wall they all grab hold of him and his sword, and the bell with the rope attached to it pulls them all the way up into the air and launches them into the sky and over the wall. And I guess they land safely, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
1: You know what? You get that far in, you're not going to really worry about the landing so much.
0: <laughs> There's a bit where they talk about that, where factors like, well, I can stick my sword in the wall so the rope makes a lifeline for us. Um, we don't really see that happen, but whatever. They escape, and now they're all wanted. So that's about it.
1: So I'll say this for the chapter. I think actually that escape sequence is is super cool. Like, it's very ridiculous, but I feel like that's very necessary. Like, that <laughs> gives the series, like, a tone of adventure and, and like, largeness that it kind of needs. Because it is a very visual moment of them flying in the air, overlooking this yeah. wall to the vast beyond in front of them.
0: I've got the everything kind of fading into the horizon beyond seeing that there's this whole world out there for them to go through.
1: It honestly almost just feels like this should be a video game that had a cutscene like this, <laughs> and we could have skipped the manga entirely because I like this is a moment that's so cool. But uh, I, I'm still just not sure, like how long of a series is going to be like this is such a cool moment you know like if this is the start of a tales game I'd, i'd be like yeah this makes perfect sense this is how tales games start
0: it does also make me realize that we don't really have an idea of what the hell they're gonna be actually like doing they have a goal and it seems like it will take them a while to achieve it but it's one of those things where it's like all right well what are you gonna do in between because all we really know is that there are dangerous monsters out here. Mm. And so they can fight them, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I would assume that the next chapter is going to be the one where we kind of have to maybe see another witch. And kind of start moving towards that. Um, if this series wants to really have like a, a leg up of surviving. like I feel like we we kind of need to get into what the core of the series is going to be. But, who knows?
0: Yeah. So, I guess we'll see. Yep. Let's move on. Go ahead.
1: No, I was just uh, going to say, let's talk
0: about the best chapter of the week. Let's talk about Mashal, Chapter Three Mash Van Dead and the Deadly Doll. Oh, that's a nice little alliteration, yeah. So, Mashal has defeated the labyrinth by walking through it. <laughs> Literally. So a bunch of the other students were like, fuck you! <laughs> Basically.
1: And I love, they're all like, go home, go home! And he's like, I wish I
0: could. Can. I really I wanna wish go, I could. I want to go home and play I, my DS.
1: I love it. I, I, it's like, just be like, you can't punch, it's not amazing, you can punch your way through. And he's like, oh, that's fair. I mean, it's make, like,
0: yeah, make a good point, never forget lost
1: of... until you get to the end. Like, I... Can't really deny that. Hey, wait, is it really more of a labyrinth? It's like, well that's kind of just pedantic. That's, that's not
0: <laughs> that's, that's that's not really the point of it. You... I mean, that's come like, on guys, let's get on track here. You're supposed to be insulting me for cheating. <laughs> I
1: feel like that like single panel of, of conversation is a great example of how the internet works too. <laughs> Where you get like two people trying to have a reasonable point and then one person who's like, hold on a moment, is it really a maze or a
0: labyrinth? Actually, that looks more like a plateau. Then <laughs> <laughs> the girl whose name I've forgotten. Uh, already. Is, is it like I, lime I, I will name, or I, something? No, lemon. Lime, it, I, Lem- lemon. It's a fruit. Yes. We'll we'll figure it out. But because uh, I'm sure she's sticking around. Um, she speaks up on, Mash, on Mash's behalf by saying that she had been instructed by Professor Lucie to prevent him from reaching the goal. Uh, she said that. And she says, like, look, you know, my family's poor, and I was desperate to get into this school for their sake, but that boy actually saved me. And not only that, he told me he'd marry me, <laughs> which is <laughs> a detail that kind of comes out of nowhere. And I'm actually like, I like, I didn't say that.
1: <laughs> I love the flashback. Wait, support me? You mean, like, sure, I'd, I'd be the only and an emotional burden to be. He's like, well, I don't think you'd be a physical burden. So they just... She just adds like sort of like the the fucking words to it and she's like, Oh, he's he's proposing to
0: me. <laughs> and she's like, Don't be bashful. I know how you feel, and it's such a relief. And Matt's like, is it? Because I, I didn't say that. <laughs> so Professor Lucci's like, so I set him up for failure. What about it? This is my exam. Who says I can't fail students? Hang on, let me try and do a a, a Professor Crowler from Yu-Gi-Oh GX. Step. This is my exam. Who says I can't fail students I don't like? You two the reek of Commodore, You slifer slackers. You don't deserve to be here. This is the prestigious academy for the elite. We don't cheek in cheeky brats or poppers.
1: <laughs> I just spat
0: all over my laptop <laughs> Good job. So she goes on this long fucking rant. like I'm failing you both, and unless you wish to challenge the decision of the Magus cum laude, of Professor of Eastern Magic Academy, that is if you dare <laughs> fucking magistrates house and just snaps his swan in half <laughs> Love mash. <laughs> he's just like that wasn't called for. <laughs> and of so course everyone reacts really quick uh extremely to this. And uh so he's Lucci. still is like, Well, I don't have to listen to the likes of you when suddenly someone interrupts.
1: Selenche, <laughs> which is Spanish for quiet your mouths. Headmaster Wahlberg Say That's hi to your name. mother for me <laughs> That's his name Fuck yeah it is When I wait to the end of this goddamn series is staying in the recap
0: Oh man even if we only get fifteen chapters of this series Chris <laughs> Look it's been a long time since we left Whole Cake Island, okay? <laughs> or Totland. So... The headmaster announces that he'll be in charge of the examination from this point forward, and Lucci starts to object, and Wahlberg says, I wish to see you in my offiche after this.
1: Gotta see you in my office!
0: Ash is called to be the first interview and he is suddenly teleported into this dark room where Wahlberg is standing at a pedestal. There are other wizards seemingly overlooking the proceedings. Uh, So Wahlberg begins the interview. He says, first, I asked to wish why you chose our school. And Mash just wants to says, like, well, so I can, you know, live in peace and, you know, hang out and watch cartoons. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want to... Can I go home? Like, just, <laughs> the, the, you asshole wizards won't let me go home. I just want to go home. <laughs> Poor boy. <laughs> and so the other teachers are like, that is not an answer. Ask him to explain. So... But instead, Wahlberg's like, "That is sufficient." <laughs> Next question. I hear you stopped to save a girl, even though you were running. I, I, this is just getting into it, like a Jewish grandmother impression.
1: I, <laughs> puppy, <laughs> you were trying to help the people out, and then the Sphinx showed up. You tried to escape. You got him away. What are you gonna do? Well, hey.
0: And he and Mash is just smash says, "Yeah, I guess I did that." And Wahlberg wants to know why, because, you know, that put himself at risk of failing. And Masha says, well, if I didn't do that, I think I would have regretted it. So Wahlberg says, ho, 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 ho. So you are a good little boy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're going to get Christmas presents only this year. You will, Meshugganah. <laughs>
0: Um, he's asked if he considered what if you weren't able to defeat the Sphinx, what if you weren't able to break through the walls? The match says, well, even if I couldn't, I still had to try. And uh, Wahlberg finds this to be very amusing, but he says, but that shows you do not yet understand the ways of this world. There are many creatures in existence more powerful than you. When you find yourself facing them hopelessly outmatched, I wonder, will you take those same Actians?" What if you were to face someone like myself? And we get a bit of artwork that we have definitely not seen out of this series so far. (laughs) This is very impressive looking and very terrifying.
1: Like, you know like how a bunch of people are like, oh, it's like Mop Psycho 100. Like, the artist can't really draw, so it's just going
0: to look like... Oh, no, hold on. They're really good. (laughs) They're really, really good. Turns out he just chooses not to use his art skills through much of this. So I'm not sure how to explain, describe this other than a horror movie concept. Uh, There is a shadowy figure with many mouths with a torture device thing with a crank that will drive some sort of a drill into the head of a voodoo doll. And Wahlberg explains that this spell transfers the soul of the target's most cherished person into this doll. is an ancient spell, and in the Soul Country, only I am able to cast it. Um, And outside, uh, Masha's father, grandpa, whatever, uh, suddenly kind of like slumps over. And so apparently, uh, he actually has actually transferred his fucking soul into this doll. So he says, but that's not all it does. If I were to plant this knife in the doll, that soul would never return. And Mash tries to punch the drill and it doesn't work. So, but Wahlberg explains, like, I am immensely more powerful than no, you. No, no. You would say I am immensely more powerful than you. Like <laughs> I will slowly stab that doll with the knife. And in your current state, you cannot stop me. What will you do when faced with this? And Mash just puts his hands under the drill. Ow, 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 ow. (laughs) And uh, Mash just says, I'm sure you can't keep this huge thing going forever. So all I need to do is outlast you. And Wahlberg delivers a, a speech. Uh, which which is just along the lines of, you know, power can be used for good or for evil, and one of the principles of our academy is to foster the talents of first-rate mages, and so we grant great power to them, which is why I like to put emphasis on a certain principle. Protect the weak, weak, regulate the strong. <laughs> Noblesse obligue! <laughs> which I think is actually a more accurate... <laughs> pronunciation than you might suspect <laughs> <laughs> and from what i've observed you embody those qualities and the spell dissipates and he apologized to mash saying that this was actually a test he had no intention of causing him any harm and mash actually mash actually says oh you don't need to apologize even though he's still bleeding from his hands um and Mash thinks of something. He says, regarding your question about what I'd do if I had to face you, my answer, headmaster, is I'd knock the, knock the stuffing out of you with my fist. And Wahlberg's like.
1: Ho ho ho, what insolence.
0: <laughs> oh, that's not that's not him yeah. saying that. Oh, you're a man!
1: Well, he does say ho ho. He's like, ho he ho ho, say, ho ho
0: ho ho! I am a Santa Wahlberg. <laughs>
1: ho 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 say hi to your mother for me kids
0: (laughs) and he welcomes mash into the magic academy this is a i mean look jokes about Wahlberg aside this was a this was all just a cool chapter on its own merits too yeah Um, you know I, i this early on asking the question of hey you know mash is this you know superhumanly strong figure in this world of people who don't know how to deal with that. But still, what if he comes across something that he cannot defeat and it shows that, well, even when he can't accomplish anything, he is, will do his best to protect those closest to him and he will not back down and he'll do it for good reasons, not for selfish reasons. And so that establishes him as a good character. We have our, very Dumbledore-like figure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he looks like Dumbledore. Like, he does. Um, to be overseeing this. And, of course, it's going to take this kind of interference to get a non-magical person into a magical academy. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, but it also establishes some more character dynamics as well between MASH and several other characters. This is a great chapter all around. So
1: Yeah, I, I, I immensely enjoy this. So... uh for the people who listen to this podcast, you might also listen to the D and D one I do called Dice Funk. Uh, I try to bring like a powerful shonen energy to most of the characters I play, and uh, I don't think a lot of people read all that much shonen series outside of like Dragon Ball or things like that. So uh, a large part of this season has been Austin trying to match like a shonen energy. Uh, and I, I, his interpretation is always these two oh. characters need to punch each other to death. And I, I keep trying to not do that. Like I keep trying to be like, no, my character is like kind of done fighting. So I'd want to like these moments here where Mash is just grabbing onto the spear with his hands and just eating it with all that shit. In my mind, those are like really what kind of encapsulate these strong uh, shonen protagonist moments. that I, I always just kind of admire and uh, it's it's one of those ones where it's tough to like I think get that across necessarily to some people, but man, it's just so well done. I, I fucking love Mash uh, Mashal. I almost call hmm. it Mashable. No, Mashable sucks. <laughs> Mashal's great. Yeah.
0: So yeah, we're gonna keep on following this series. So. Yeah. It's given us a. It's been great in like three different ways in three different weeks. So now I, it's, yeah.
1: Now for a a sequence of series we wish we hadn't decided to follow.
0: Uh, Mission 23 truths. So we learned that... We learned in this chapter so many things that were clearly planned from the beginning of the series and are not (laughs) random... Okay, so Mission Heroes a Family is probably ending soon, basically. Um, guess what? Tayo saw the bomb thing coming, and um, he's fine. He didn't get shot in the head, and everything's fine. And uh, they have stopped um, what's-his-face, Elton John politician guy, and the triplets see that they're cornered, and so they abandon him. They take elton john politician guy uh captive and start to escort him to prison with tayo guarding him in the police van and elton john politician guy is like uh oh, even though you lost your entire family in an accident you've continued to soldier on you are an excellent rookie in the elizabeth family basically revealing these guys' inf- information on him how unfortunate that you believe that it was all an accident Hide Asano, Akari Asano, Hikaru Asano, the car plunged down a cliff on a rainy day. Your family died instantly, but you survived. It was a miracle, but sometimes miracles are created by humans. And Taya points his taser gun at him, demanding that he explain what the hell he's talking about. He says, I have no reason to answer you, but as an elder in the underworld, let me tell you one thing. There are many hidden truths in this world. And gasp, the deputy prime minister has been kidnapped. Oh, what the hell? Oh, and actually, these bonds aren't holding him free. He's fine. And he drops a a, a dangle, and it blows up the truck, and he escapes. And it turns out that this was actually deliberate by the spy organization so that they could track him. And it turns out Kuriuri was actually what's known as Kurogao. So And he's a super spy, a legendary spy who did secret maneuvers in politics. So we planted a GPS on him so we could track him. And Kuro Gao, Elton John politician guy, who's not really a politician, he's a super spy, shows up in front of the deputy prime minister while they're broadcasting a message to everyone nationally. And he rips off his Elton John wig and he's actually old dude with stern face. And he's Philip Seymour Hoffman Sclera. with contacts. He's very Philip Seymour Hoffman-y. Uh, I'm actually the guy if you thought you had killed off. And the deputy prime minister's like, Kurogao! And Kurogao's like, I'm not here as leader of the Kuriri Party, but as a father of a child who was killed you are the one who knows about everything and I want to take you down publicly. So he points a gun at him. And he's like, will you tell the truth and have your character assassinated or will you refuse to confess and die physically? And he's just like, if I could be made to tell the truth so easily, I would be the failures of a politician. And Kurogao is like, I thought so. Farewell. But the broadcast is cut off oh, because Tayo is there and he cut the broadcast off and he's there with his taser gun. He's like, let him go. And that's the end of the chapter. Oh my God. So much happens in this chapter. That clearly was not supposed to, and I don't care about any of this.
1: <laughs> so I honestly, like, the twist, uh, tease of Tayo's backstory doesn't actually feel that out of place. My yeah. big issue with it, and this isn't even, I think, because we're trying to cram too much, I think this is just the pacing Mission Yuzakura family likes, because this has happened before, where, the. Uh, First page is like, oh, we think it's exactly as it happened. Tayo has been shot in the head, and the bomb has gone off. The bad guy wins. But wait! No, the first turnabout, they're actually all okay. The heroes uh, get together, and they capture the bad guy. Okay. And then we get in the car, and the, the Elton John politician guy is like, but what if everything was actually an accident and there was all these things? And what if you weren't actually in control because I'm free? The second turnabout. And then we follow him over and we get into the base where he sits down. and He's like, I'm the bad guy. He takes off his glasses. But what if you, the politician, were the bad guy? The third turnabout. Like, no, we can't. <laughs> it's like, calm down, guys. There's so many like back and forths in this chapter that it's just like, well, don't, let's ease off the gas a little bit.
0: There I actually like, like it, but there, I think I think there's like five twists, I guess, in this chapter that happen, and so it's completely unrecognizable how we got from the beginning of the chapter to the end. Yeah, like, like if you <laughs> skip, if you happen to skip this chapter, you'd be like, what happened? <laughs>
1: <laughs> like, it's 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 insane. We get to the end of the chapter, and it's like. No, we had to stop Kuro Gao because he's actually kind of he's 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 gonna go too far we can under we can empathize with him that he lost a child to this man, but we have to stop him so he doesn't he can't go this far and all this sort of stuff you like i it, the last chapter ended with him blowing up a building. I don't know how we're here already
0: <sighs> yeah samurai eight chapter thirty seven Rivals, I have read this chapter like three times, and I can tell you like one thing that happens in it. I'm going to skip so much of this, because it basically boils down to, they decide to work together. And that's all that you <laughs> need to know.
1: <laughs> Fucking Mr. Plinkett came in. They're working together now. So, I was like, alright, that was a pretty good summation of chapter 37.
0: Like, they've all been brought together, the cat samurai and everyone. Dharma wakes up and stops them from trying to fight because Send the Silence, like, you're under arrest. And Dharma wakes up and is like, no, don't fight. And then they're like, ah, D- Dharma's like, ah, you finally found one. No, two of them? I can sense a powerful gravity. And. Kachimaru's like, you mean that cute little girl in the back is one, too? She wasn't on my map. And they're like, well, she is not yet a samurai, but she possesses a gravity close in strength to yours. They still have not explained what gravity actually is. It's a very important thing. They don't actually say what it is. We'll figure it out eventually. A discussion ensues. Yes. Character development happens because Anne, while all of the people who are plotting stuff are going on. She goes over to where uh, Goku is and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a samurai princess in training. I think it might be better if you take part in their important samurai discussion. He's like, no, 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 no. You, you take a seat and relax. And she's like, but this is my job. I you know serve food and tea for people. And Goku says, I don't think it's quite right that the samurai is the one who sits and the princess is always the one who serves the tea. I happen to think the reverse would be fine as well. Uh, And he's like, you know, I picked up some, you know, good tea along the way. So, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, And then he introduces himself and asks for her name. And Hachimaru is (laughs) like.
1: It's the worst. Just the like, it was like, oh, can we can we take the most unadmirable stupid trait that Naruto had and give it to fucking Hachimaru too? like, please don't.
0: Hey, well. In fairness to Hachimaru, I don't recall a point in this chapter where he disguised himself as Sasuke to try and steal a kiss from uh, from Anne. So, <laughs> True. True. That's a thing that happened, guys. Don't forget it. Naruto was a little shit when he was 12. Don't forget that. <laughs> you can't mature if you're already a good person, basically. <laughs> so Anne introduces herself and she stutters a bit, as she is like to do. And... That's an important moment, though, because Goku just kind of waits patiently for her to gather herself until she can say her name, and then he says, "That's a very good name for a princess to have." Uh, and he says, "I'm jealous that the samurai was a thoughtful, caring princess like you, because I don't have a faded princess." And Anne thanks him for the compliment, and Hachimaru's is just like, "How dare he talk to her? <laughs> Fuck off, Hachimaru. She's already your fated princess. You don't need to be jealous. And, but of course, it doesn't help that Sonda's right next to him. And he's like, I mean, I don't know anything about how this guy is a samurai. But as a man, he's got you beat. And his just like, shut up, Sonda! Fuck you. This is the most you versus the man. She tells you not to worry about moments in this series so far, but it's just like, yeah. Hey, what if there were a person who were just nice to him? <laughs> so Goku serves tea to everyone. Uh, Hachimaru tries to big dick energy, energy him. And it doesn't really work. Cause Goku's just too nice. a guy for it to have any impact on it. Um, They agree to work together eventually. uh, Dogface, catface, whatever dude uh, convinces Dharma to trust him by entrusting his samurai soul to him. And I was like, well, okay, Uh, let's link heads in order to share information.
1: (laughs) What is? That's a 100% accurate description of what happens, and I still don't understand why. <laughs> they're they're their skulls, just open and little cords come out, dunk dunk, and I don't. What's actually being transmitted? Like, do they not? Like, are they computers? I don't understand.
0: <laughs> so, anyway. They link up, they, like, see each other's real forms in the virtual world. Um, and says, like, oh, you know, they, they Hane, Ichi, and Goku seem to be good people. Ichigo's a little sweetheart. Uh, Hachimura's like, well, I don't have a problem with the dog master. I'm not so sure about his apprentice. Mm. Anyway, Ata's going to go and harvest samurai souls. Uh, he cuts apart a few people. Uh, who emerge uh tells people to update him on the uh, status of the kakus the you know clones um the samurai he's defeated can't re- regenerate because you know it's important that we just take away that power when it's narratively convenient basically uh he's like oh, I'm collecting their samurai souls and I'll be heading for Hachikaku after that and that's the end of the chapter so
1: good times uh yeah you, you kind of described the chapter when you were like they work together and I guess that's a very big deal for these characters who apparently have I mean, history have a yeah. very long history they're week.
0: rivals yeah moving on Zipman chapter 9 the mirror of imprisonment so two things happened this week one found out that Zipman's not doing too well Uh, In terms of uh, response to it, seemingly, uh, according to the table of contents for the uh, week that this chapter came out, um, it was at the very back of the book, which generally speaking is a very bad sign for how a series is being uh, received. It is not the be all end all in terms of uh, how a series is doing, but uh, for a series this young, it tends to be a bad sign. Uh, the other thing that happened was that this shitty fucking chapter dropped. So, remember how Mr. D was like, I've discovered the Zipman's weakness? Uh, he was wrong. He gets beat <laughs> off screen and what? <laughs> it's immediately defeated. <laughs> um, because basically, um... Koshiro and Kagami figured out how to use a new technique using the uh, QD beam thing that they got from the magical girl uh, zipper guy.
1: This series makes a lot more sense when you finally come to realize that they're just grabbing powers from other characters. Pretty much. Something I probably should have learned like six chapters ago when they probably first introduced
0: it. Well, they actually did that.
1: But I've just been sitting there. I was like, oh, they use everybody else's powers. That's pretty Mm -hmm. cool.
0: Uh, yeah, he defeats Mr. D almost completely off-screen because Mr. D is like, "Let us start this one-sided battle. and he just gets his wings chopped off, and that's the end of that. Uh, Flamehead guy is like, oh, ah, well, Mr. D's really confident. Wonder what what the weakness he was found was." Oh well, I'll just have to stay here. And oh, hey, he's here, and Sidman comes through the wall. He's got Mr. D's wings coming out of his back now. It's a very kind of Guren Lagan thing where it's like, you know, I've defeated an enemy and I've absorbed one of their powers. And so he's kind of like decked out and, uh, you know, you see like the legs are a little bit different because there's different things attached to him and that there's legs coming back. It's a cool visual. Um, and Flamehead guy's like, well, I thought it would take you more time, but yeah. And Kagami and Koshiro are like, enough with the jibba jabba!" Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And demands that they give up uh, China. Uh, Flamehead guy's like, Oh no, no, please don't hurt me. Just kidding, I have the spark holder thing from Transformers. It looks exactly like the thing that contains like the the all spark. Um, and um, he's like, Mirror of Imprisonment, and it zaps Jackman who falls to the ground. And Kagami's like, He's disabled the zipper. Well, other than that, I'm fine. What do you think, Koshiro? Koshiro, why are you not talking? Because Koshiro's disabled somehow by the mirror of imprisonment because, oh, they imprisoned his soul. Gasp! Um, then he swings his sword and launches a big wave of fire at Jackman. Uh, and he's like, the one thing about these suits is heat. It increases defensive capability, but it has a problem with heat dissipation, so the suit will be fine, but the person inside not so much. Ha ha ha! Gami gets up, and he's in a new form. Uh It's called quad fusion.
1: He did it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And look, so... I don't... I don't... I think Zipman is nearly as bad as many series we've read that kind of immediately fall to the back of the magazine like in this sort of time frame. Like if you were to say like compare Zipman to uh Double Taiya or whatever Double Taisei or uh Yumi let lets out or mm-hmm. whatever lets loose or whatever like it, Zipman I feel is Far superior to them, I think this chapter is kind of bad, and maybe it's kind of bad because it feels really rushed. Because the series isn't doing particularly well, so we don't have time for this, Mister D. Uh, I've found your weakness. Fight. We we've got to mm-hmm. kind of move to the climax here. We got to create this tension that the other brother's been taken, and now it's just uh, the one guy. So, I mean. I, I, I don't think the series is nearly as bad as maybe its position in the magazine is describing. Because I, I certainly think it's better than a couple other
0: series that are in there right now. It's, it's. But, it's I mean, the the thing is, it's just not landing with people. Yeah.
1: and that um, could change too. You know? it's
0: possible. Um, I mean, the qualities that it has to it that are good are obvious because I mean, the art is good. Um, there are some cool things that are done in terms of the way that action scenes are laid out. Um, there's you, know, a unique gimmick to it in terms of the zipping as a you know a cool aesthetic and stuff. I think the problem with the series is that it's overly reliant on doing action scenes. And I think it was badly timed to have this you know tower of Death arc. Uh, kind of thing where, you know, defeating a different enemy at each level and just, you know, kind of doing a boss rush that way at a point where already the majority of chapters of the series were boss fights, you know, fighting an enemy. Um, there has been like one chapter dedicated to character developments uh, outside of, you know, the stuff that we got in the first two chapters. And that's it. And we still don't really know what's going on uh, in this series And there's been no focus on why our heroes are doing what they're doing. We know what the actual goals are, which are to, you know, uh, find out what's going on so they can find a way to get Koshiro back in his actual body uh, and save him that way. But there's been no mention of doing that uh, during these rushed sequences. And there's been nothing to actually push forward and further establish the characters that we are familiar with. It's just been fight, 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 fight. And, of course, you know, in a lot of show and action series, you gotta have fights. That's the big selling point, but Mm -hmm. they need to involve characters that you care about in order to have any real impact. And it's just kind of been like, well, it looks cool. yeah. Uh, So, I think that it was it's been placing too much emphasis on doing the action and not enough on laying the foundation for why you should care about the action. So yeah, thank you I think I am not confident in the series ability to recover from the point that it is right now. Um, but like you said, it's not as bad as some of the stuff that we've covered. No, so. I,
1: I hope it sticks around. Cause I think this is a series that has potential. So it's really all I kind of want to say. We never learn. Let's talk about we never learn. Question 146. The ephemeral mermaid sprinkles into the promised pizza Bet part five. Uh, We have a cover page that I could best be described as uh, Kirisu got done swimming in the pool and realized she lost her watch. So she's very late. So she has to teach a lesson, uh, but she got the wrong room. So instead, she found her way into uh, one of those glass table fetish shops, and she's uh, just going to do her lesson from there anyway to describe the scene we are looking at in front of me. Because yeah, I she, don't so know she's how gotta, else to do it otherwise.
0: <laughs> and she's got to sit down while she's conducting the lesson because her legs are so tired from having been swimming.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: And uh, from the looks of things, she didn't actually have time to dry off properly either no. because she...
1: So. Yeah, she was just swimming for so long. Um, but hey, you know what? That's that's sometimes uh, that's what happens. Sometimes that's how your day goes. Uh, we're still in the middle of this flashback as uh, we visit Mizuki, who's playing at the park, and she sees Uega, and hey, Uruka's there, and she's immediately Yay. like, who are you? Who are you? To my brother, anyway. So I guess the uh, strong brother feelings, like, Surged in immediately once their dad died.
0: <laughs> yeah, because like it established that like the reason that Musiki had her brother complex was because Yuiga was trying to comfort her uh, around this. So I guess that like probably what happened was because he did they did the whole big swing thing, saying like you know I'll look after you and stuff, and she was like ah oh, my big brother's awesome. Um, but then they were both depressed because you know. Kind of had an effect on their family that Yeah, you can't address so comedically. So,
1: uh, so to really like, See, now we're best friends now, so I can help you out. And I liked it. Mizuki's like, We're not friends. Well, stop penning me. And Ruka's like, Hey, well, you know, how about tomorrow we go to school together? she's like, I don't want to go to school. She's like, Oh, I don't mean your school. I mean my school. And they go to the swimming pool at their junior high. And she's like, "Hey, come on! I'll I'll help to like teach you how to swim." And you know, when life gets you down, exercise always helps. And he's, he's like, "For starters, playing around in the water is the last thing I'm in the mood for right now." And uh, she, I guess, decides to because she sees Aruka and is like, "Oh no! She looks attractive right well- now—an enemy." <laughs>
0: The exact thing that happens is that Uruka comes out of the water, and she's, like, dripping wet, and Uruka gets embarrassed and averts his gaze, yeah. and Mizuki's like, NO, HIS HORMONES! <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, she runs in, she's like, ah, and Uruka's giving her, like, lessons, like, hey, you've got great form there, she's like, you're my enemy, I won't let you in! <laughs> and Uruka just keeps up with her the entire time, and is, is doing better, she's like, hey, you know what, tomorrow I'll come back and get you, and... They continue to go and swim. And she's like, wow, you've gotten so much faster after just a few weeks. Uh, you know, hey, time's up. Uh, you know, Yuiga comes to pick her up. She's like, all right, well, I'm going to see you here tomorrow. And Yuiga is eventually walking her. And he's like, you know, you have really stuck with this. And she's like, well, I don't like to let anyone beat me. And tomorrow I'm going to out swim her. And Yuika just thinks to himself, like, she's competitive, but she doesn't realize, you know, she's competing with a swimming genius. She's in a whole different league. And Nizuki's like, oh wait, hold on, I forgot my towel. So they run back. After they grab it, they realize like, oh hey, Aruka's still in the pool swimming. Like it's like it's dark out at this point. And she's like, yeah, it seems like she stays every late, uh, stays late every night and practices by herself. And you know, there's a lot of amazing athletes out there, and so she's got to you know work three or four times as hard as everyone else if she wants to win get anyway, thinks back to how he's, he was like, I'm a slow learner. I have to study three times as hard as everyone else. And she's like, you know what, big brother? I want to be like Takamoto Senpai. I also want to find something I can really devote myself to. And I think if I had that, I would like going to school. So we cut to the next day, and she did. It. She's, she's going to school again. She found something that she she's really into. And uh, Uruka's actually crying because of how happy she is. And Yuega uh, sees, like, a, a little newspaper article about how Ruko won another championship in their area. And he's like, you know what? I think I want to work harder, too. And it's all because of you. So thank you. And he gives, like, a smile. And she's like, oh, my God. Is this legit? Like, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> <laughs> I just swam a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, you know what? I I, I have to repay you somehow. And she's like, oh, can I copy your notes then? So that's how we and get And there.
0: Yeah, that's how we got to, like, how they were in, like, chapter three. So. Whew. All right, let's get to this part. Okay, so that was cute. And all all this is positive I- in the end, but hang on. <laughs>
1: so Uega's...
0: Strap yourselves in for a few pages, all right?
1: Ewing is <laughs> still back in his dad's grave, kind of thinking all this through. And he's like, I still haven't figured this out, Dad. Like. In other words, I've always really respected Aruka. She's like the sun. She always gives me good energy. And then a voice calls out to Yuega and is like, come on now. You could do better than that. And Yuega's dad force ghosted himself into reality again. (laughs) And he's like,
0: you respect
1: her. She's like the sun. You know what really matters, son? That feeling those words express. How did you feel when you heard she had a crush on someone else? And in that moment, and that one. And what about that time? As we have all these flashbacks to the various different, very significant Aruka yeah. chapters. And he says, Did you feel on some level that she was precious to you? And you is blushing. He's like, Oh, the both of you are awkward at love. You keep taking the long route. But on the other hand... You can reach a very special place that way. Isn't that right? And only people who can understand the struggles of others are those who have struggled themselves. And Yuega is very flustered. And he's thinking about all these moments he shared with Aruka. With and he repeats the question Question one How do I feel about Aruka Takamoto? He says, "Dad, of course I felt that way for sure," and he's crying, but he moved his umbrella, so you can't really tell if he's crying. But, question two: What will make Aruka happiest? And Yuiga is saying, "Would I get in the way of her dreams?" As we're reminded of the whole, uh.
0: Going to Australia, whatever
1: the fucking other sister was, who was like, "No, it's uh, it would be absolutely fatal to somebody's career." Oh, gotcha. So we cut over to the next day at the Uruka uh, household. Well, I guess it's a Takaboto household, but uh, Uruka's mom's like, "Uh oh, it's raining really bad, so all the afternoon flights are getting canceled. We need to get you on a morning flight, or you won't make it to the meet." So wait a minute, the already strict time limit just got even stricter.
0: Hmm. it seems like she's going to have to like leave immediately basically yeah so um, so first off this chapter itself is wonderful uh-huh. um, I love the way that the flashback goes uh, and it encompasses in a very short time but very you know because like it establishes the entire relationship between Mizuki and Iruka in terms of why she sees the way that she does in just a few pages. And it works really well because it's a very simple, uh, interaction between two young characters. And, uh, yeah, it makes sense. He was like, okay, yeah, she, you know, she got provoked a certain way, but over time they bonded. And that's why she respects her is because she took that time in order to, you know, give her motivation and not give up. And also it makes perfect sense why you, respects her because she motivated him to keep on trying and got him to the point that he was at the start of the series. And then there's a conversation between Yuga and his the spirit of his father, or you know his memory of his father, whatever, where it seems, it's not a 100%, it seems that Yuga loves Uruka in return as well. Um, but I do love that... The questions that you would get asked were, you know, that one two punch of, you know, how do I feel about her and what would be best for her for me to do? Because this is a situation where, like, you have to answer both. Like, uh, because, of course, there's the uh, problem of, like, okay, well, if I love her in return, it still might not be good for me to say that because, you know, that because she's going away. Uh, but also, you can't just say, like, well, if she's going away, then I should just, you know, leave that, that away because that's not fair to just ignore any potential feelings that you might have in that situation. So you have to answer both. Um, and then, of course, we've got this sudden time limit thing of, OK, well, you know, what's Uiga going to do? Is he going to go to Aruka before she leaves? If he does, what is he going to say to her? What's going to come from all of this? Is he going to get to do what what he's uh, what he wants to do at this moment? So there's a lot of great stuff in this chapter. It's it's wonderful. Um, I want to think that probably this is going to be put on the back burner for a bit because. Obviously, you could have the resolution of, well, Yuga decides that they can't have a relationship because of this. And that would be a very realistic thing, you know, deciding that it's not the best to start a relationship when you're going to be away from each other, not able to see each other. Some people, that's, take it for me, it's hard to do it. So, and these guys are kids who are younger than I was when I started a long distance relationship and was able to get to work. Um, and one way or the other, there are still four love interests, but at least two that we have to resolve things with. Um, so obviously, you know, if it's decided like, okay, Yuiga and Uruka aren't going to get together, then we've got to establish stuff with Ogata and Fumino. Um, But I think it would be weird one way or the other to just have Uruka just not be around until the end of the series while all that's getting resolved. Um, like, it seems as though, to me, this is going to be put on the back burner and then it's going to be brought back. So,
1: Very possible. I, I think it's, it's somewhat telling that his dad also says, like, you guys are really bad at this. You keep choosing the longest route possible. Mm-hmm. I, it feels like that was a very telling statement to this series. Uh, not just the fact
0: that it's a long-running harem series. So, <laughs> well, and keep in mind what the spiritual successor, the spiritual predecessor to this was, where toge had to go away for a while before she and Raku got together in the epilogue. So, <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I think we may very well see. I feel like we're moving towards something very exciting. Um, I like that we have this big chapter where the hero kind of admits that they have these feelings, uh, but still within this context of. But what does that necessarily mean for the person I have feelings for? Is is, is, is like what's going to be the best thing for them? And uh, I, I think it's just really exciting to be like, what's what are we going to do next? How are we going? Go? As you mentioned, there's still like two to three other love interests that still. Need to have some resolution of some kind, most likely. Although it would be kind of fucked if you wake against the airport or whatever and he's like, I love you. I just want to <laughs> let you know I only see you as a friend. Goodbye. <laughs> or he's like, I love you, and then the next two chapters is him or we just get an epilogue and the other two have like married off to like I never really got over you, Inga. <laughs> I really <laughs> really wish I had made my move sooner.
0: Just you just like cut around and just, there's like, you know, Kirisu's, you know, teaching and she's got a new hold on life. Then there's, you know, Asumi's like, oh, you know, that Kohai of mine. You never think what, how things could have been if we had... Nah, that would be ridiculous. Then there's Ogata and she's like, I have retreated emotionally. <laughs> I am a robot now. And then there's just like a grave that says, here lies Tumino Furuhashi. <laughs> <laughs> I,
1: was, I was gonna say, she became like a super villain, but it's so darker and funny, <laughs> she's dead what even happened
0: <laughs> there's just like a mark on the uh, the bottom of the gravestone <laughs> I told her she wasn't any good at science her father
1: <laughs> it, it take one last moment to shit on her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let's get into Dr. Stone because I mean I'm glad that we took the time to talk about that but we've got to kind of step on the gas a little bit for these last several chapters um Dr. Stone, it's, um, where's the fucking chapter title? It's somewhere in here. Z equals 138, end of part three, that's why. It's because it's a big uh, uh, arc ending chapter. It's all the way at the end. Uh, Senku awakens Chrome, Uh, Chrome, and he celebrate briefly because they're like, all right, yeah, we did it, and we've got to revive everyone, but Senku establishes, well, but we've got to make sure that we, you know, uh, revive people in the proper order, otherwise we're going to starve. It's not really a problem. It happens in a montage. It is an, an, an interesting uh, kind of little thing where they're like, well, we need to know where the food is. So we'll revive Amaryllis. It's like, well, I guess that makes sense. You would know where everything, all the supplies are kept. So, uh, yeah. Also, it is kind of cool that uh, they revive Francois one of the first uh, several people. Because like, oh, haven't seen them in a while. So, yeah. Uh, they're reviving people. Uh, as they're going about their work, Chrome brings up that, no, you know, Ruri just kind of like contacted you out of the blue, though. Like, I don't think that she would have just, you know, done it to check on you. So there's probably something else that's actually going on. Uh, Amaryllis, uh, you know, brings up like, wait a minute, you know. That we, talking about her with that level of trust is—is is Ruri Chrome's girlfriend or a former lover? The <laughs> front wasn't me. Like, actually, I hear that she's his ex-wife. That plot point that was established and resolved in a single chapter. <laughs> and Ty just like, wait, what? You got hitched? No, no, we're divorced. What? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I like how, like, half the chapter can be summed up with Senku, like, doing the finger into your thing, like, yeah, no, it happened, whatever.
0: Also, Francois is uh, dressed, even though they're in just leaves, in a very unisex fashion. So, nice, nice attention to detail there. Um, The place has kind of been wrecked because of the Kingdom of Petrification, you know, had the Perseus under their control, but things are looking good because, you know, they've They've got the petrification device. They've got the Perseus back. They're, you know, all right, we're all good to go. People are getting awakened and awakened and awakened. Uh, Taiju brings up people that were, you know, thrown overboard or fell overboard after they were petrified. So, you know, Yo is awakened. Uh, he also brings up Kirisame. And Magma's like, I'm a killer. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, don't, no, don't stop murdering people. Uh, but Senku just wakes her up right away. And he's like, you borrow a folder. And that's it. That's all he says. And he just walks off and Kurosame Kirisa- is just kind of left to be pouty. Basically. Um, she's asks if uh, Seku has a reason for having revived her. And he's like, yes, because of course he does. You know, that's that's how he operates. And he's like, where are the statues? They were on top of the tower. Um, they uh, then awaken Ginro and he's fine from his wound earlier. Kahaku is there to to greet him as they're both awake now, and she's glad, of course, that he's alive. He goes to embrace her, and then he sees her boobs and goes to embrace her, and so she pounds him on the head. So, you're the worst, Ginro. Thank God you're alive. Uh, Then, in a bizarre. Uh, for Dr. Stoneway, Kohaku turns to Senku and there is like a full page, more than full page spread of her fucking hugging him. And it's just weird that this like, wow, OK. Uh, Amarillo's is like, oh, my gosh, uh, now she I'll just see. Does she love him, too? And I do like the again right there. to so say like, no, no, no not, not really. But Amarillo says. Oh, actually, it's Amarillus turning away. It's Kirisame who thinks that because he she thinks that they're lovers from the Deception way back when. But Amarillus is like, no, nah, it's not that kind of fuck. This is a very, you know, Hiruma and Mamori kind of relationship between the two Any anyway. But it's also very clearly a bit of a ship tease because this is how Inagaki writes series. Like, yeah, I've got these you know, two or three very clearly established couples and you're never going to see them get together. It's always yeah. going to be ambiguous. Eat that is shit. how I do Eat shit nerds. You're going to get a couple of ship teases. You're going to fucking like it. That's it. It's a very sweet little, little image anyway. But anyhow, everyone's celebrating because things are going well. Uh, they get their comm station all patched up. And so they're able to actually get in contact with Ruri and have a proper conversation. And she says, well, um, you've been sending us an odd message. Uh, But it kept on getting cut off by another stronger one. And they're like, oh, my gosh, is this the Y man? Uh, And they say it's not Morse code this time. It's a person's voice. And the voice says 12,800,000 meters one second. And when this when I first read this, I literally. Uh, but immediately they're like, oh yeah, is sick. just like, yeah, just keep it away from the speaker and we're and, and we're good. But make sure you keep it away from the speaker because of course it was established that it's proximity to the device that actually triggers it. So, <clears throat> everyone's like, wow, so this guy wants to kill us. Uh, and Gen says, why 12,800,000 meters? That's a very specific number. And Senku says, that's the diameter of the earth. But then Ukyo says, well, there's that, but there's also a bigger problem. And Senku's like, yeah. And Ukyo says, that's your voice, Senku. bum,
1: bum, 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 bum. bum, bum.
0: Dramatic reverb. So this is a very big, like, what the fuck is going on? Then kind of thing. <laughs> I think. This better not be that just that uh, side arc story, the robots, the villain thing. <laughs> but um, great chapter. Uh, you know, nice to see everyone coming together again. And hey, we won. Good job, everybody. Uh, everyone's safe and sound, and we get to you know enjoy that. And then apparently another Senku is trying to kill everyone how the hell did that happen? So that's Yeah,
1: it. I think uh, this part, part three, was sort of an odd part because we <laughs> set it up with the idea of, oh, the Y-Man. And then the rest of the arc had nothing to do with the Y-Man. Uh, but it was still a really entertaining detour. We kind of closed a few loopholes. You know, we, we covered a couple different things. We got introduced to a couple new characters. I guess Amaryllis might potentially be joining the group i don't
0: uh kiri uh
1: yeah sorry Kirisame well Kirisame and potentially amaryllis oh
0: yeah i mean i i I was assuming that amaryllis was part of the group because she's just there during all the group uh, moments so
1: but yeah i i think it's uh i think it's pretty exciting um -hmm. i think this was a fun arc it kind of didn't have a ton of direction to it at the start, but everything kept Mm -hmm. building and it became really satisfying.
0: I mean, it was definitely seeing the way that this arc ended up coming together. did give me confidence like, okay, I mean, you know, we had the whole Tsukasa thing that's resolved, but you can still keep on going forward and having adventures and stuff that will be interesting to see unfold. So it was, this could have very well been a been a you know Eisen's been defeated. You should have just ended the series kind of thing, but instead it was like, all right, no, still good. So, all right, uh, Chainsaw Man, <laughs> Chapter Fifty Seven. Suddenly, um, yeah, you're damn right. Chapter title. <laughs> so, the agent who's actually an assassin in disguise, uh, who. Went to the, uh, was it violence devil? Yeah. Violence devil. And, uh, Cuba, K- Cuba, her name's weird. Anyway. So they all show, all three of them show up together in front of Aki and, you know, the main group and, uh, oh, pardon me. He says like, oh yeah, the other agents were killed. Uh, so, you know, I needed to get out of the hospital so I could be here cause I want to avenge my friends. Uh, then Power gets distracted by like, hey, is that your car? Yeah, I bought it with my own money so I can chauffeur my family around with it. Really? Well, give me a ride. I've been, I'm tired of walking everywhere. Hey, this looks like my car. Yeah, it's my car. Did you steal this from me? No. Yeah, it's my car. It's mine. Just gets in the driver's side car. Yeah, if you have a problem with that, I'll kill you. (laughs) So... Meanwhile, there's a conversation going on. Um, the disguised uh, assassin approaches Denji. He's like, hey, you the chainsaw guy then? Yeah, well, I'm a pro, so uh, I'll help you out then. Put her there. And Denji's like, I don't want to touch your hand. Uh, he's like, touch his, just shake his hand. And I don't think that either of them know how to shake hands.
1: <laughs> no. Uh, I Maybe you could presume he's preparing to do some kill move.
0: Yeah, so he's just kind of like pulling him in close kind of thing.
1: Yeah. And Denji's just trying to give him the dead fish because he's like, ah, fuck this guy. I don't want to touch dude's hands.
0: So yeah, Denji sticks his hand out like open palm and the other guy just kind of grabs it and neither of them are going for the proper way that you shake hands. But at that moment, (laughs) the car hits him. (laughs) So, So Denji and the disguised assassin go flying. The assassin, the back of his head hits a barricade and he's dead. <laughs> and Denji basically should be dead too, because he got hit by a car, but he's a devil, so he's fine. So there's just a, couple, a bunch of silent pages and everyone just like looks over at the car. <laughs> Her power's like at the wheel going, uh. <laughs> Power... Takes a moment to compose herself, and she's like, Well, it's your car, it's not mine. It's <laughs> the greatest one, and <laughs> she's like, <laughs> Oh, are you trying to shift the blame on me, you murderer? <laughs> Gets how the car and slams it, she's like, I wasn't driving, it's her fault. <laughs> I
1: fucking
0: mean, love power so much.
1: And immediately the dude's face changes, and she's like, I saw there through his disguise. I meant to do
0: that. <laughs> I it was all me. I'm the hero. I avenged you, Denji. <laughs> so. <laughs> they this one of the uh, one of Denji's bodyguards analyzed the situation It's like, oh, yeah, this guy is one of three brothers who has got a contract. So that leaves two more and they could have replaced any of us. Uh, so we're we'll have to you know we should, you know, make sure that we show each other our devils so that we can actually verify our attendees. I'm <laughs> oh, fucking poor. Mom- <laughs> She's just still in the car crying.
1: <laughs> Everyone's like, what a monster. <laughs>
0: um including two guys that are in focus who then we join in an alleyway where one of them is throwing up, and uh, they're actually the other two brothers. And one of them's like, just fucking calm down, calm down. And the one who threw up's like, no, I can't stay calm after that. Um, so the one who didn't throw up's like, I'm going to go kill that damn fiend. Uh, wait a minute, he gets yanked out around the corner and killed. And uh, the bodyguard who proposed that uh, there were two brothers left comes around the corner, he's got this creepy smile on his face, he sees the third brother in disguise, still with his vomit in front of him. And he's like, hey, you don't look so good. And he's like, I just saw two people die in an accident. And so the bodyguard just walks back around the corner saying, well, yeah, I guess a pro wouldn't puke. And that's the uh, end of the chapter. So, hey, that whole thing establishing that one of the brothers was you, you know really uh, not, not very calm in dire situations and stuff came back. Um, so we'll pay off for that. And I guess we're going to find out what happens with him soon. But yeah, this was definitely the power show starring power and also other people were there too. <laughs> like,
1: <coughs> but <coughs> don't, I mean, you mentioned a couple times that he was, uh, the bodyguard. We don't know who this person who just killed the, the second brother is, do we?
0: That was one of the guy that's the guy who said that they should verify each other's identities. Uh not, uh, not he's not that guy, but he's the one who's like, Oh, three brothers who work together, so the, he's, yeah, he's one of the guys who signed to uh protect Denji, I think. Is he? I think so. I'm just
1: trying They're... to see Oh, I guess he is. Oh. Alright, yeah, the stupid song the, like the earring shit. But alright. So Only six
0: glasses guy has really yeah. been established, but there are others there, too. Okay, so. I
1: had no idea who this dude was supposed mm-hmm. to be at the end, so I was like, oh, this must be another assassin or something like that.
0: Yeah, so the thing with Power starts off kind of amusing, and then just... <laughs> she solves the problem by accident, <laughs> this, this, this takes credit for it. I love it's Power. Yeah. She's so good.
1: Alright, let's move on. Seven Deadly Sins, real quick, chapter 341, Kath Palug. Uh, so basically Gawther dresses everybody down when they're like well how could merlin do this and he's like well i think merlin's kind of had something that she's wanted to do since the beginning like all of us but hers was one that if she felt like if she told anybody about it they would have said but that power is too dangerous and immediately king's like but the power is too dangerous and he's like yeah. "Gawther's like any power could be dangerous depending on how it's used and she saved us so many times they and both make
0: good points. Yeah. Honestly.
1: And everyone's like, but you know, she couldn't really like, she's just, she's, she's doing a lot. And he's like, look, I'm not siding with anybody here. It's just, I consider you all equally precious teammates. And I think we should still try to consider Merlin one of us. So uh, melodius like, all right, well, we can't let chaos go unchecked. We have to like, get it under control. Uh, Merlin's fighting. Kate Plug or whatever, uh, it looks like she's going to get killed. And then Melodius and the team show up and save her. And they're like, hey, you know what? It's not just two. It's all of us. We're all here for you. And you know what? If, if this is you, you're going to have to take some responsibility for resurrecting chaos. So you have to devote your life to protecting and guiding Arthur. And uh, she's like, well, you came all the way to tell me that. And he's like, well, one more thing. We also bear responsibility for forgiving your foolishness. So let us protect you. Deal? So the seven deadly sins are back together.
0: Except for Escanor who's still dead.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, what are you going to do? Can't win a all. Yeah.
0: This is a weird kind of development. Um, I was saying uh, over the that, last couple of weeks that, like, well, it seems like we're going to get an arc out of this. But they keep every time Cap Luke shows up, it's just like, well, he's instantly dead. So it's like. Well, I guess to have an arc, you need, like, a continuing threat, and they haven't really ast- – I mean, obviously the power of chaos itself is dangerous, and there would presumably be people wanting to come and get it, but we haven't really actually seemingly established an actual villain
1: I want that has to get
0: killed immediately. So. I want
1: the next chapter. Is the final chapter of the series. We get it to could the next we get to the next chapter and they're just like, Well, we handled chaos, so goodbye, everybody. <laughs> you lived in happiness, seven deadly sands, hurrah. <laughs> and, then, and then like I don't somehow Melodius throws his hand up and I don't know how it would happen, but you just start hearing, Don't you forget about me playing no matter where you are.
0: Them, uh, someone holds up a boom box. <laughs>
1: yeah, in your house, uh fucking someone shows up and they'll, they'll play it. Uh
0: all right let move on. I can sum up the Promise Neverland chapter one hundred sixty six very easily. We're not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with us. They they infiltrated Gracefield House. Uh, they got the kids away from their immediate bodyguards. But, Rotri is like, well, that's fine. We let them in here so that we could capture them all. Seal all the exits. Wait a minute. They're not going for the exits. And Emma reveals that their plan is actually to just take over Gracefield House on the inside and basically fortify it so that's the chapter Mm -hmm. i don't really have a whole lot to say about it honestly it's it's
1: it's sad because this is the chapter where they see mom again and all of Mm. them are like mom and i mean they're like "Oh, let's go and like it doesn't feel big at all it's really sad
0: this is one of the things about the kind of like the series that the promised neverland became Around the time that, you know, the Goldie Pond stuff was happening, it's like, we gotta shoot stuff. And it's like, this, it seems to be about like careful planning and, you know, plans on top of plans and deception and stuff. And now it's just like, we got guns, we gotta kill demons. And the final panel of the chapter is Emma posing in a really unnatural way with her gun, which is like, Ugh. I've and seen guns before in my life. Yeah. So, uh...
1: Yeah. Let's talk about Black Clover, then. Page 239. Budding of Yggdrasil, or Yggdrasil. I call it Yggdrasil because I played Tales of Symphonia like a goddamn monster, and that's how they pronounced it there, but everyone says it's Yggdrasil, so fuck you. I don't know which one's right. Fucking uh, self's disappearing to fade away because Yuno's actually dying, and uh, it's pretty horrified, actually, and I don't know what his name was. Mitch? Mitchie, something like that. He's, <laughs> he's like, <"Master> Mitchie. Un- <laughs> so it was my favorite joke back in the day when the Spirit Squad came around. They're like, Nikki, Danny, Becky, Mitch. <laughs> I really wanted Mitchie, like Mitchie.
0: <laughs> it was really weird. Everyone got the E except for him. <laughs>
1: And it didn't use him at the end, so it wasn't like Nicky, Dicky, Tricky, Sticky, Turns out Mitch a, or something
0: like turns that. Turns out some of the members of the Spirit Squad were better wrestlers than others.
1: <laughs> um, so he's like, no, you can't die. But then a little sap, a little uh, like sproutling sprouts out of the ground, and it grows into a big tree, and it grabs all the members of the Golden Dawn. And it's the World Tree Recovery Magic budding of Eugdrasiole. I'm going to say it like that to annoy the people that think it's the other way. Uh, and, you know, wakes up cause he's not dead anymore. And we see Klaus wake up and a uh, compass girl and a bunch of members. And they're like, this is master of world tree. He saved us. Even though he was so wounded, he spent all that magic on us. And they're like, but wait, where is he? He, he must've been taken away. And then, you like, where's everybody else? and, then we just get a gruesome visual of a bunch of corpses on the trees of all these dead members of the Golden Dawn because they're like, oh, it saved those of us who were near death, but everyone who was already dead are just dead. And they're Makes saying, sense. Yeah, and they say half of us, half of the Golden Dawn are dead, and you know things, if only I'd been stronger and he screams out in agony and it is holy shit they've actually made you know into a compelling protagonist i was like yeah. wait he has a motivation for getting stronger that isn't his friend said i'm going to be the wizard king
0: yeah it's amazing what you can do with a little bit of like just a little bit of effort like it did not take very long to make you know way more interesting as a character like i mean, he suffered consequences because he wasn't strong enough because there wasn't something that he could just decide to be stronger because he wants to be the wizard King. And then he solves everything, which took a while, but okay, there you go.
1: It's, it's, it's very satisfying. Uh, the last two pages or I guess four pages are devoted to the other two members of the dark triad. And a couple other people are going after the heart kingdom.
0: Yeah, I think that was it. The uh,
1: the kingdom, uh, Laura, yeah, pursued everyone.
0: And uh, meanwhile, uh, the king is actually targeting Yami. So yeah, so uh,
1: yeah, so I guess it's not the other two members of the Dark Triad. It's just the one, basically, and then mm-hmm. the king is going after Yami. So yeah, let's see what happens. Uh, mm-hmm. The Dark Triad members have been made out to be pretty fucking bamp so far. So let's see.
0: Yeah. This is the kind of thing that I wish that it had that it actually come out of the you know whole elf invasion thing you know where um, it was like well you know what's one way that we can actually make it seem like the members of the clover kingdom can actually be you know face challenge well by turning half of them against the other there you go oh we solved everything while suffering like no casualties whatsoever that we came out of this with more people than we <laughs> went into it. Cause that we've got prisoners on our side and also both Patri and, and Vengeance are here now. <laughs> yeah. Also. Yeah. Sekre came about from that. Patri came from that. They're the prisoners who are now working for them. So there's like five extra characters that were working, they're working for the Clover Kingdom who weren't before. So <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think this was a super good chapter. Like, in another week, this could have been the chapter of the week. Uh, It won't, because there are better chapters Mm. this week. But this was a really, really good one. This is the kind of chapter that makes me excited for Black Clover.
0: Can't wait to see how they screw it up. All right, let's cap things off here then favorite series and mvp i feel like it's probably obvious but let's but uh let's go ahead and say it uh
1: so so my chapter of the week is i'm gonna give it to we never learn i wanted to give it to mashall uh which is also really really good but i'm gonna give it to to we never Learn just because i I really enjoyed it and yeah powers the character of the week
0: (laughs) yeah um gonna echo both those sentiments we never Learn was really good this week Power was the clear standout in all of manga this week. Uh, yeah, so all y'all who made me read Chainsaw Man, well, thanks for doing it at the exact right time, <laughs> I guess.
1: It's it's <laughs> worth noting that the audience picked, uh, oh, apparently, I don't know, there's a tie. Something's going on. It was Mashal Magic and Muscles, but now apparently it's Mashal Magic and Muscles and Chainsaw Man. They're tied, it looks like. Uh, for chapter of the week, and uh, Power was almost universally the
0: uh, MVP this week, which makes sense. Yeah, it has to be, yeah. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, I said at the top of the episode, like, you know, I'm glad for weeks like this where we get a ton of manga so that, you know, we, at least we have some good chapters, but the chapters that were good this week were really good. No, I, so yeah. We had a handful of, of, of chapters that were incredibly good, and then a bunch of chapters that were just like, Bleh. so... It all evens out, I guess. So, guys, that's going to do it for Weekly Monger Recap this week. So, thank you all for joining us. We record the show here on twitch.tv slash starting around 7.30 to 8.00 Eastern Time every Wednesday. <clears throat> uh, if you want to check out more of our podcast, you can go on Recap.podbean.com. That's where we archive all of our episodes. Also, of course, there's patreon.com slash recap where we upload bonus stuff for champion-level subscribers. Uh, we want to thank everyone who contributes to that Patreon, as well as uh, people who helped make the podcast what it is. And Ninja X3i for maintaining the spreadsheet so that we can very easily reference who won the audience popularity poll, for example. You can also check out Miramar uh, Votes, the Twitter account. I also want to thank Steve Manor, our tile cardist, as well as Infamous Plan for making the visual frame for the stream. Milo Jack Stillitz and Wizzo Cheddar for making the opening sequence of the Manga Recap as well and uh, uh, join the discord
1: yeah do it, I think that's it. I'll think i fist fight you I don't know if I'll I, fist fight you if you don't or if you do I don't really know which one I'm going with but I'm going I'm to fist fight you
0: it depends on what you do I guess
1: yeah but really yes. Ball,
0: <laughs> balls in your court individual <laughs> that I have challenged to a fist fight regardless of what you do exactly Alright, that's gonna
1: do it. Goodbye.